With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wisp Sports Radio. The voice of women in sport. Hello and welcome to the programme. Thank you for downloading the horse show here on Wisp Sports. This is Season 5, Episode 12, and I'm Chris Stafford. And on this episode, we're going to be continuing our series of equestrian legends. But before we hear from this week's guest, a word from our sponsors. Summer is here. You don't want to miss that majestic summer sunset, perfect wave or family picnic because you're stuck at home with ear pain. You can make a splash at that next beach party with Highlands homeopathic earache drops and tablets for natural relief or minor fever, ear pain and throbbing associated with earaches. After you've been diagnosed by a physician, try Highlands homeopathic earache drops or tablets. Highlands has been trusted by generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for everyone in your family. Earache drops are available at Walgreens. To learn more, go to highlands.com ear. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D-S, highlands.com ear. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. Always read and follow label directions. So my guest this week is record-breaking jockey Julie Crone, who fought literally and figuratively with fierce determination to establish her career in a male-dominated sport. Her accomplishments take a few minutes to read with more than 21,000 starts and earnings in excess of $90 million. Julie was just a toddler when her mother set her in the saddle, and who knew then she would be destined to become a hero for aspiring female jockeys. Julie rode her first Kentucky Derby in 1991. That same year, she became the first woman to ride in the Belmont Stakes, the second jewel of the Triple Crown. In 1993, Julie became the first woman to drive home a Triple Crown winner. She retired in April of 1999 and in 2000 became the first female jockey to be enshrined in the National Thoroughbred Racing Hall of Fame. Julie reflects with pride but doesn't dwell on her many achievements, which included being inducted into four halls of fame, among other numerous awards. 
Being a mother now is the most important thing to her. A teenage daughter is her priority today and making time to give back to the sport with the Julie Crone Junior Jockey Camp, which she launched in 2019. In Julie's words, I want this to be a lesson to all kids everywhere. If the stable gate is closed, climb the fence. We talk about parenting and her daughter, Lorelei, who has very different interests to her, so won't be following in her mother's footsteps. And also the new interests that Julie has now that she's retired. And she also reveals for the first time her plan to get back into the sport. Julie, thank you for joining me, and, and especially at your time in the morning. But you're an early morning woman, aren't you? Oh, yes, I mean, I'm an early. We would normally be deep into our walk now in the forest if we were, uh, if I wasn't doing this. So, yeah, I love to get up early and enjoy the day and start the day. Well, I appreciate you starting the day with us. My pleasure. So life now, it takes on a very different dimension for you, isn't it? I think when I look at your bio on your Twitter, because I, you know, think they're, they're always interesting how people describe themselves. <laughs> yeah. You've got you've got your list of Hall of Fames, of course, and then your Amelia Earhart Pioneering Award, thespian, spirit seeker, mum and wife. Now, I'm guessing that those last two are probably the most important things to you these days. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Oh, my goodness. It's been, I was just thinking about that this morning. I was thinking about uh, what a journey it's been to be a mother and how blessed I was to have like not only my career you know but then I also get to be doing like a suburban kind of life you know and not it's just really beautiful and being a mom and seeing things through someone else's eyes and revisiting childhood memories you know because uh, Lorelai has um, moments that I'll say oh I remember when I did something similar to that or different and it's just really fun and it's all what life is, you know, people and family and yep, it's been a pretty fun journey being a mom, that's for sure. Yeah, and of course, we've just had Mother's Day as well. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. a time I pr you probably, like most of us, reflect on our relationship with our mother too. Is Does any of that translate to your parenting now, Julie? Well, it's funny because I, um, I think the way I was raised is very different than the way that I'm raising, that Jay and I raised Lorelai was very, very different because it was, um, uh, my mom's style was kind of different in that she was really obsessed by horses, you know, my mom, like that was the only thing she did. So whereas Lorelai and I do a lot of different things, um, like theater is our main thing, but we're also, we do other things too. We don't just do theater. But when I was growing up, the only thing my mom ever did was horses. And it was kind of like the only thing I was allowed to do. So like in, you know, looking back at it, I guess maybe it was the reason why I was successful. But at the same time, I think there was some things I missed in my life that I wished I would have done a little more of. So my parenting is definitely different. I think there's moments that I think, oh, I did this when I was younger and it was the same. But Mother's Day made me think more like, um, uh, I, I don't know, it's funny because I think as as we advance in our personalities as humans we find things that mean more like when I was younger it was like competition and and you know money and state status and stuff like that and now I feel I'm a little more uh like into my you know helping the community and being like a little less I don't know I just think I've just grown up and changed a lot I'm not as competitive as I was and 
even in my lifetime with my daughter, I've changed. You know, like when she was younger, I used to be like, try to get her to be real competitive in theater and stuff. And now I'm kind of like, you know, she's having a good time. She has fun. Like you don't have to be the main star all the time and stuff like that. So lots of life lessons and journey and going along. And But all in all, it's a pretty beautiful, wonderful thing. That's true. So did that mean that you felt that parental pressure then to succeed in a sport that your mother was passionate about? Well, no, but I think I, it made me a little too, too competitive. Like, you know, like it was nothing. And then if once you're not a jockey anymore, those kind of personality traits and things don't really serve you in the normal world. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you had to change your personality. You can't, you can't be like uh, a little scrappy fighter in, in the regular world. You have to like drop, you have to be a different personality almost. Um, so I had to learn a lot of stuff. I used to think it was funny because I used to watch some of the moms and I used to see the stuff that they would do. And I'd, I'd like, if I'd see a lunch pail that had like a really cool lunch in it and like it looked nice, I was, I was almost like competitive mothering, like, you know, like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a cooler lunch pail for Lorelai. My, my lunch is going to be better, you know, like, so after a while I was like, oh, I don't have to be a hall of fame and everything, you know, I could just be, I could just be normal sometimes, you know? Yeah, without the pressure. Now, has she has she picked up any of your childhood antics? Because you went from circus to gymnastics. You oh no, she's so different than me. Oh my goodness, she is so different than me. First of all, she's very she doesn't have any tomboy in her at all. She's very uh, it's very easy for her to be like more feminine than I am and stuff like that. So. Uh, we balance each other, but that's good because we balance each other with that. Like I'll make her kind of tougher and more tomboy and she'll make me more feminine and, uh, uh, you know, like doing our nails and our hair and stuff like that. And, but we're very, very different. She's really intellectual. Um, like this coronavirus lockdown thing has been so good for her and her and I both, like we have had such a good time in these intimate things like she can play piano for hours she can uh write songs and play music on her ukulele for hours she can we homeschool so we were really comfortable with um you know slipping into a different program uh so that was easy for us uh but we've had a really good time she's very introverted and very different than me very very different so where did the theater come from then well, I, it was really crazy. We were riding horses one day. So I'm doing the same thing my mother did, riding horses. And I got Lorelai, a little pony, and I think she was about six. She was about six years old. And we're riding on the beach, uh, and she's crying. And I'm like, you know, and every day we would go to the barn and, you know, take little trail rides places and get her on her pony. And then I'm on Miss Piggy, my, my little quarter horse I have. And we would take a little ride, and she's crying one day. And I look back, and I'm like, I'm like, Lorelai, what's wrong? And she goes, I don't know, Mom, i got to tell you something, and I don't think you're going to be very happy. And I was like, well, what is it, babe? And she said, I don't like horses like you do. I want to do some, I want to go to the theater. I want to do something else, right? So I was like, well, okay, babe, you don't have to, it's okay, it's fine. And I looked forward. I was looking straight for a little while, and I was kind of like, I was shocked. I was gobsmacked. I was just like, what do I do now? You know, and she was kind of like, Oh mom, are you all right? And I was like, yeah, but you got to give me a minute here. I was like, 
You know what I mean? Like, this is my whole life. Like, you know, she's in my belly and I'm making this pony for her. You know, I'm training the pony. And so when it comes out, it'll be like the nicest little pony ever. So, so anyway, we end up, uh, then there was a series of events that happened where my horses, I have three horses, a, a thoroughbred named Cannon, an X-Race horse, a, a quarter horse pony named Miss Piggy, and then, a little, and then Lorelai's pony, Fishy. And um, I sent all the horses to a place in New York called Long Shadows, and it's Long Shadows uh, Charitable Foundation. And they do gestalt therapy, and there's a girl, a girl there that works with the horses called Tabitha Morgan. And they rescue thoroughbreds and other horses from the area. And they, and she also does training, like Tabitha Morgan trains too, at this Long Shadows Farm. So I just sent my horses there, like to be, to work at the charity. And the, that it was like literally within a month, my horses were in New York and I was starting life for the first time ever without direct contact with horses. And so then we saw a play that was, uh, we, Drove by and I said, oh, there's a play. Let's go in and sign up for the play, right? Well, I didn't know, but it was the sound of music and it was a big deal in the area because it was a 25-year anniversary or something. And I signed her up and lo and behold, there she was, you know, four months later at, on stage as Gretel in front of 2,000 people. And she steps out and she goes, Gretel, you know what I mean? Remember when the lineup, he does the lineup and he's introducing them to Maria? And all the kids step out. Remember that scene? Yeah. yeah. So she steps out and says, Gretel. And the crowd goes, aw. And I watched her go, bing. You know what I mean? Like she was like, this, this is for me. She was like. And so then what happened is I was backstage because it's an adult play, you know, and it was like a big deal. And I had to help her with quick changes. And she was so young and she's the only kid, the only little kid in the cast. So I had to kind of help. And when I found out what theater was about, being backstage and quick changes and all that. I was like, oh, this is right up my alley. I was like, I loved it. I was just instantly like, where has this been all my life? So then what happened was, this is a really fun story. One of the directors, uh, who's one of my favorite guys, his name is Miles. And he was directing, he's sitting there, he has his hand on his head and he's in the, in the audience area, sitting in the seats and Everyone's rehearsing and going around and some people are moving some stuff on stage. And I'm like, what's wrong, Miles? He's like, this whole stage is wrong. That whole thing that's all brown. It's supposed to be a brick wall, like a castle wall. It was for Shrek. Because um, Lolo got the role to be little Fiona. Like, you know how they sing in a circle and the girls get older and older as they go mm -hmm. around? Yeah, Lolo got picked to be little Fiona. So I was there picking her up for, uh, uh, from rehearsal. And I said, well, I could paint that to make that look like that. And he's like, you can? Well, I didn't know I could paint. Evidently, uh, I put, picked up some artistry, art, art, artist talents along the way with my dad being an art teacher. Um, and I painted that thing and now, now I just do theater and stages and I won costume awards and stuff like that. So I really enjoy theater. I enjoy every single bit of it. I enjoy when we're, um, a little tiny person on the side, you know, third tree on the right. I love it when we're the main characters. I love painting the stages. I love making costumes. I love the people. I love the energy with it. Uh, I just love everything about it. So you've discovered a whole new side to Julie Crone. You never knew it was there. <laughs> exactly. Yes. 
That's awesome. And of course, Lorelai is now a teenager, which presents its own challenges. And, uh, <laughs> that is going to be an interesting few years for you too. Yes, I think you're right. Sometimes it's funny. I, I go along, especially during this coronavirus lockdown thing for, you know, being with somebody for nine, over nine weeks in an intimate, you know, setting, it's, it changes a little bit. And we got to have some really nice talks about like, how do parents and teenagers grow apart? And like, you know, we started to get more in touch with like a, her individuality and then, you know, needing time, knowing when both of us need time apart. And we can spend a tremendous amount of time together, which is kind of shocking, I guess. But also people need to be a little bit apart from each other, you know? So we haven't had any, it's not the same, like, uh, as my childhood. Like I wasn't slamming doors and saying, I hate you and running away and stuff like that. She doesn't do any of that like I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to actually quote, if I may, that Julie, uh, a, a quote that I read about you from an article a while back said, a penchant for brawling, yet patient intelligence and tactical savvy in describing you. Where did the brawling come from? <laughs> oh my gosh. I've always, I've always been like, my girlfriend and I used to go to the football games in school and she used to go and want to watch the game and like get a boy to kiss or something. And I used to go on these fight posses, like literally, I swear to God, every Friday night at school, you know, like I'm in middle school, I should be outgrowing this by now. I joined up with the boys and you know, you go in wrestling matches with people and I would just fight all night long, like, and beat everybody up on the, uh, and like you take on one person comes in, you beat them up, another one would come, you know, it was hilarious. And I look back on it now, if I saw kids fighting now, I'd be like, stop fighting. But like nobody ever made a stop. Like everybody was just like, oh, they're fighting. It'd be like, oh, you know. But yeah, I don't know what, it, I don't know what the heck that was about. Just like maybe the way I was raised, you know, I was like kind of like rough on the edges a little bit and, you know, just nobody ever was there to say, hey, don't do that. I guess, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, there was an anger there that needed to come out in some form. Oh, you know, heck yeah. Did, well, well, thank goodness I found something to do with it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you found a way of channeling all that energy. Did you ever consider being a stunt rider? Oh, heck yeah. I wanted to do that so many times. So many times. Um, I actually was pretty It was weird. I had a couple of really close things happen, you know, like where I was almost in the circus. I almost was a stunt person. Uh... You know, the little, those moments when you, you know, if somebody was making a movie, you'd be, you're like, oh, that was the moment she would have been a famous stunt person or something, you know? But yes, I've always wanted to do that. I thought that was really cool. And I haven't even, I haven't excluded out of it yet to ever try to be Peter Pan someday too, okay? P Peter Pan. Yeah, that, yeah, I could see you doing that, certainly in the <laughs> theater. You could, you could design oh. the costume and you could, you, you, the, right? All those flying dreams can come true, right? Yeah, absolutely. Kathy Rigby did that, right? Didn't Kathy Rigby do that? I'm not wasn't sure. Wasn't she the Peter Pan? Wasn't she Kath Wasn't she the beautiful gymnast with the lovely little smile? Could well have been. Your memory's better than Kathy mine. Was one of the gymnasts, a gold medal gymnast, was Peter Pan and brought on Broadway. Now I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, I mean you've got the perfect combination there, sir. Circus gymnastics, perfect combination there, Julie. <laughs> the perfect combo. Yeah, and they put people that do stunts, they make money too, you know? Well, they do, but you've probably got enough broken bones to, to, for a lifetime, you know? Yeah, I'm too old now. My right ankle, 
yeah, my right ankle doesn't bend at all. So, yeah. But you managed to go out and exercise on these, especially now with coronavirus. All the time. Yes, I do. And you know what's crazy about that? If I don't walk, I'll say limp, I limp pretty bad. But if I don't walk every day and get out, like it's really harder for me, like in two days to get up and get out. You know what I mean? Like it's worse if you don't, if I don't move every day and if I don't do something. You have to, you have and to that accident, and of course, I'm sure it's scarred in your memory for life. That took a lot of metal to come back from that, Julie. <laughs> literally, literally. Okay, both things. I am literally scarred, and there was literally lots of metal in my body. <laughs> the, the titanium, when they put the titanium plates in, did you know I had to have all that stuff removed? I got allergic to that stuff. I had to have like 40, 40 screws and six plates and all taken out. Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah. How long after the accident did, did you have to have them removed? Like a year, about a year. It was funny. I woke up, I was riding every day. And I kept thinking at nighttime, I would get like, I would get the chills at nighttime, you know, and I'd be like, well, that's really weird. But like every night, like every single night for like two months straight, I would lay down in bed and I'd be like, I feel like I have a fever. And I'd take my temperature and it'd be like 98.9 or like 100 and I'd wake up in the morning and it would be gone and I'd be totally fine. Drive from my farm in Colts Neck, New Jersey to Belmont, you know, work, ride, come back that night it's same thing again for like two but two months um and my body i guess was turning away the titanium and the stainless steel that on the screws and the plates and then my ankle started to get real swelled up and my arm the plate was in my arm started to get real swelled up and hot like burning hot and uh then i woke up with a really bad fever one day and then i went in and they were like oh yeah you're we have to take all this stuff out it's like going crazy and it grew over the top of it like it was grow like my body was trying to like cover it up almost so when they went in there they had to like chisel away bone that was actually like growing on top of the plate like trying to eat like you know destroy I don't know what your body does but so that was pretty like to get over that was like about two months but wow did I feel good when I woke up I was like oh I felt so much better because I could feel it right away as soon as I woke up I was like ah. Oh. Now I feel my body back again. So yeah, it took a, it took a lot. Um, then what actually happened, which was funny, my one spill that I had at Saratoga wasn't the spill that was bad. The spill that was bad for me was the one uh, when Jonathan Shepard's horse broke down at Gulfstream Park with me on Friday the 13th. Um, and it was 13 days into the new year of January, and I was leading rider in the nation. Races one. I was leading rider at Gulfstream. Um, and that horse fell and I broke both my hands. Oh yes. Took all the weight on your hands, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And I put my hands, what I did was I, horse fell, she hurt both her front legs and fell. I put my hands, I balled up in a ball and I wrapped my arms over my head. And when I was falling, I was spinning and the horse was following me. And every time I went over the top of her, her, on the way down her head would hit me and we spun like three times together it was really really traumatic and really grotesque and just all the terrible things of, that you could ever imagine that you never want to experience <laughs> and it was like weird because once I felt my head get hit I covered instinctively reached up with my hands but my helmet is on and so my hands were just in the way of my helmet but who knows maybe I protected myself from a head injury you know you don't know instinct isn't it 
Yeah, and so I, my hands were broken, and when I kind of, and it was Friday the 13th, and it was just, it put a weird, a weirdness on it. That one jerked my soul a little bit. The other one, I was, I had no problem coming back from. And then the second cumulative one, which is the nature of a human, you know, like, we can always withstand a couple things, but cumulative, you get a little tired after a while. That's when I had to address, you know, PTSD and athletics and injuries and learning like the, about how to recover from stuff like that. And more of a professional manner with a doctor helping me and stuff, you know, because it was too challenging to try to do by, on my own. So today then, do you feel you're in a really good place dealing with, you know, all the, the memories and the scars? Yeah, I do. It's funny because I think I went through some phases like, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of anger involved with my ankle. Like, I was really mad at Philbert Leon. Like, all the, all the time I'd be like, he, when he pulled out in front of me, you know, I was like, I just like pulling my horse and steadying it, you know, and boom, my horse falls. And so I would have like a, a direct anger at him sometimes, like where I can be specific about it. And you know what brought it back up again when there's a jockey uh, that rode at Gulfstream Park and he's really reckless and he bothers, he, he caused an accident and a jockey got hurt. And that really bothered me because that's how I got hurt. And it kind of like dredged up my, my feelings of people being, you know, when you don't ride properly on the racetrack, you like impede someone and cause them to be Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know, that that was something that brought that back up with me. And, and then I came across a girl that I hadn't seen for like 30 years. And I was at Delaware Park riding. And I had a horse that lugged in really bad with me. And I could have done a little more. I was, I was reckless and caused an accident. She fell. And I ran into her the other day, like about six months ago. And she told me that her life got, she was so messed up from me dropping her that day. She told me about all the stories that happened to her and how poverty and then her mom got sick. Oh my God, it was just, I caused her so much trouble. And for some reason, when she told me about that, it made me not be as mad. And it made me realize, well, I was out there too, you know, like I put myself in that situation. So I don't know, maybe it was to help me get even heal more, you know, and forgiveness is a huge part of life. And you just go on with it. And you just, the more I'm living, the more I'm noticing, oh my gosh, that, that book, that little book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff is so true. Yeah. You, you know, like you just, you gotta just keep going and, oh my God. And thank God I have a personality that's a little bit like that. I don't have to really try that hard. Um, but I was, I was a little mad and it took a while, but so funny that you should ask that just this year, I'm probably really getting more comfortable with, uh, forgiveness and letting that, letting it go even more, you know? So look how much time it's been. It's a long time. 
Well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff there, but you know, it was um, 1995. I remember <laughs> you you actually wrote your autobiography, writing for my life. And judging from what you've been saying about how now being a mother, parenting, and you're, you you learnt new skills and new interests now, do you think there's much more of a story to tell that you need to do a, a sequel to that? Yeah, isn't it always? I mean, I I think. Um, one of my favorite answers when somebody says, um, oh, what, what was your favorite thing? Or what was your best meal? Or what was your best moment? And I kind of think, I'd like to think we haven't had them all yet, right? There's a lot of stuff coming still. And I have a neat, I have a neat thing I'm doing this summer. Um, I actually, this is the first public time I'm telling someone about this. So I think that's kind of cool. Very cool. Thank you. There's a little girl jockey, a little girl jockey. Oh my God. I sound so misogynist and I'm a, I'm a girl myself. That's hilarious. There's this woman, this very intelligent, strong, powerful woman uh, named Farron Peterson. Okay. Her intelligence will never be at question because she graduated from UC Davis veterinarian school last year and right now is completing her acupuncture school. Um, and um, she's an apprentice jockey. And I met her at Del Mar last year, and I asked her to stop being an apprentice jockey. And I asked her to come and live with me at my house with my with Jay and Lorelai, and she's been part of our family. And we hung out and did racehorse stuff. We talked about racehorses, watched videos, worked out on the Equisizer. She was galloping horses for different people at Santa Anita. Like, she would drive to Santa Anita and breeze horses for everybody. Everybody loves her. She was riding for everybody in the mornings. And she just went to Monmouth Park, and she's galloping horses for Patrick McBurney, who was John Forbes's shed row foreman when I was, in a, when I was a baby jockey. Um, and she's living with my best friend, Kathy Clark, in New Jersey, right by Monmouth Park. And me and Lorelai are going in 40 days to New Jersey. Well, you know, barring God willing and the coronavirus creeks don't rise. That's like always in the back. We're leaving in third, like about 30 days um, to go to Monmouth. Lorelai was going to go to a theater camp, but it canceled. But she's still going to go just because it's more fun and hang out with us for 30 days and then come back before school. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, our summer was going to be theater, going to New York City for theater, and me being her agent at Monmouth Park. I'm going to get back in the racing game and uh, go back to, and I'm going to be an agent. Well, good for you. That's a full circle. I know. I'm so excited. I'm really looking forward to it. I really love her too. I love her. Comp she is the most, oh my gosh, she's the most lovely person. Just so strong and so fun and comes from a really nice little family. She has three sisters and normal dad and mom, like just so refreshing of a person. Just absolutely. I'm just so looking forward to spending time with her. And when I met her, it was funny. I want her to be successful. Like there's something in me that just our chemistry, the way we like kind of like sisters or friends or I don't know from, it was just funny. I was just like, oh, I want this girl to be successful. Like, you know, like, um, and it, that's such a beautiful natural thing to have, you know, to be like, to be driven from inside from a spark that you kind of like, where did that come from? And I was like, and I just came up with it. And I was like, I told Jay and Jay and I started talking about it. And I said, I'm going to be a jockey's agent for this girl. And Jay's like, that's a great idea. Well, you went for a long way, a long while um, 
many years from being obviously a toddler to the when your mother put you in the saddle to actually becoming a hero for aspiring female jockeys that in itself is a journey and a story to be told and nowadays you've actually started a junior jockey camp as well julian and that didn't that kick off last year yeah i love my i'm so sad we can't do it this year oh my god we have so many nice horses we were even gonna um get them on a little gallop around the field oh my gosh jockey camp is so fun i had oh just what a great joy it was in frankie lovato you know he makes those equisizers and they're so what a great piece of equipment it is for jockeys and people in racing that want to you know learn that skill of being a jockey is so hard and just sharing with all those kids oh it's just i'm just crazy about jockey camp i loved it so much and it was really fun to call everybody in the racing community and be like, hey, would you sponsor one of my jockeys, you know? And have everybody respond like so, like racing is just such a beautiful sport and such a fun thing. And it's just, when you get to the good parts of it, it's, it's just, just, there's nothing like it, you know? And when you see those, when those kids were at the farm and they were watching videos and, you know, having the dreams to be a jockey and stuff, it was just like, uh, that's just the best times ever. Absolutely inspirational stuff now. These are teenage children, aren't they? Teenage youth, and uh, are they underprivileged? Oh, no, they can be underprivileged youth from the area, mostly. But we ended up having, the sponsors were so good, we ended up having a couple kids come from other places, like two. Like, one came from Georgia, one came from Oklahoma, and one came from Florida, and then the other ones were local kids that were, yeah, like you said, like underprivileged youth. Youth in the area that would never have an opportunity to be at camp, you know, because it's just something they could never afford. So that was fun to sponsor all those kids. And uh, and Frankie Lovato has spent his a, a long time like on developing that program, and he just gave me all his books and all his all his equipment that he used, and like it was just like I kind of just took over his jockey camp. And then he came and he was teaching in the classroom. It was crazy because. Yeah, it was harder for me to teach. And then he came in the classroom and started lecturing, and I was just like, oh, he's so good at this. Uh, so it was really nice to have him visit. Uh, and this year I would have, oh, we were going to have so much. Oh, we were going to do so many more things. It was going to be so good. But hopefully next year we'll be able to get Jockey Camp back up. And where will you hold it next year then? It was this, the last year. At the Long Shadows. Yeah, yep, in, at the in New Long York Shadows State. Farm. Yeah. Yep. So you'll be going back there each time, then that would be a permanent yes. uh, venue for it? Well, I wouldn't mind going to other places too. Like eventually we think it could be kind of like a little traveling thing, but we're like trying to let it evolve and mature into whatever it wants to be kind of. Uh, it's funny, you start out with an idea and then you go, oh, I could do it that way too, you know? Yeah. Well, you're obviously very innovative and keep coming up with ideas and reinventing yourself, <laughs> as they say, and doing so many different things these days. Now, when racing is back on fully, apart from being now a newly fledged agent, what else will you be doing? Will you be doing your commentary? Mm, I'm not. Maybe at Monmouth. I have to see how they feel about maybe that somebody will want me to go on a show or something. But I'm hoping I'm really busy, you know, with a with a top apprentice jockey. Um, that's what I'm hoping. So, uh, you, it would be fun to have a little side gig doing a little TV, but I don't have to do TV. I don't have to do TV anymore. Like I used to kind of be like, I liked it and stuff. And I don't, I just don't enjoy the things that I used to enjoy. It's kind of funny. 
once my ego kind of like dropped off a little, you know, uh, once my ego dropped off a little and I, I evolved as, as, as a different person a little bit, it was kind of funny. You know, I looked at my closet the other day and you know, our clothes, you know how some people traditionally will have like fat pants and skinny pants, you know, pants you can wear when, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny when you just said that because I was looking at my closet and I have a pair of shorts and when I was looking at them, I was like, oh my God, that was, those shorts are from the very first pair of Levi's I ever bought at Delaware Park from my apprentice when I was an apprentice. And I cut them and I have a pair of shorts. And then I started looking at the other clothes and I was like, wow, that jacket, I wore that jacket when I won the Belmont that week. And I started going through the clothes and I was, because obviously the deep cleaning for Corona, everybody's been locked in their houses. So I'm getting to know like all my old, like you're throwing stuff out all the time. And I kept coming across clothes like, oh, this is when I broke my leg. Oh, this is when I was pregnant. I was like, oh my gosh, I had like seven bodies. You know what I mean? Like all the bodies I've had. Other, and I look at other people, I'm like, wow, they've never broke anything and they've never been pregnant. So I'm like, that, they're just like, that's them. Their body has been like that the whole time. Like it never went through, you know, any morphs or changes or anything. Well, now, of course, as you said, with the lockdown, we're making new habits, new routines. What has this taught you, Julie? What, 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 what changes have you made that you think you might keep now? Oh, that's a really fun question. Um, well, I just love that. I always, I always love that you got to get outside every day, you know? And I think we've really mastered that more now. Um, being very, very ceremonial and religious about our walks, our early morning walks, and, you know, bringing the day in the right way. And getting up early helps, too, because it avoids that, you know, puttering around at night thing and stuff, because you're tired. You've been up for a long time, you know. So I think my good habits of getting up early and walking in the morning, um, I really like the habits of better communication like more intimate talks with people uh, because things can be assumed even with people who are in families and stuff. You know, you can guess, you can try to guess what somebody's feeling, but it's a lot nicer to have a talk to the bottom of things. Are you writing? No, you know, I don't like writing that much. I'm not that, but I'm a big reader. Oh my God, I read so much. Like Laura and I both, we put, two hours aside and a day for reading, like definitely. We'll easily both of us sit down and read um, whatever. She's, in, she's doing Dandelion Wine right now. And I read The New Yorker from cover to cover whenever I, every, what is it, three weeks or two weeks or something? So I have a lot of reading to do too. Um, but yeah, we really, isn't that fun, funny to think? Like, do you read every day? Yes, absolutely. And yeah. what do you actually put time aside to enjoy? A yes, book and I and it's a discipline. I think I started last year of really making time for extended reading. That's really important. I think that's really important. So yes, those two things. I totally agree with you. Yes, I like. Uh, we're definitely keeping our dedicated reading time, and we're definitely keeping our our walks that we do, and more intimate conversations. Because you know, it's hard to talk. It's hard to talk sometimes. You know. It's hard to get to the bottom of things. It's not always comfortable and it's not always pleasant. Um, but it's useful. Yes. It's just as important to listen. Oh, that's what I'm talking about, maybe. Listening better. That's exactly what I was talking about. 
yeah, thank yeah. you for that. I'm talking. Yeah. And it's not just listening and talking. It was communicating, like getting the message, right, yeah. getting the message across. Like a teenager doesn't have to be mad at you if they can communicate with you. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to be, we never have to get to the point where we're like, you know, we're like, we're, I'm trying to hold her back from something that I feel is going to hurt her, but she's mad at me because I won't let her do it. Kind of like, you know, how stupid is that? <laughs> how does it get to the point of that? Right. Where you're thinking, you know, gosh, this is dumb. Yeah. Yeah. It's making that time to be in, in the present, which I know is uh, Oof. very much used these days being in the present. But when you're listening often, when, when, when generally we are listening because we're always thinking about what the next thing we have to do. And we're also thinking about what are, uh, what is the next thing we're going to say instead of just listening to what the other person's saying. Yeah. And if we had, like I said, putting the time aside for reading and purposely, Oh, that's the, the three things are communicating, getting outside. Definitely the reading has been like so beneficial. And then the other thing is making the list. And we even got to a point where we would like write down 6.30 to 7.30, walk. Uh, 7.30 to 8.30, private time reading or something. Like we literally wrote down our list of things we did. And that, that was really fun. That was nice too, to do that. Very, very disciplined routine you've got there. And I, I'm thinking, that well, this speaks to your character, of course, Julie. And I'm, I'm wondering with that focus now, and the interest that you have picked up since you stopped riding, if you have anything else on your bucket list that you want to explore, are you still discovering? Let's see, what else would I kind of, uh, I'm really excited about getting back to the racetrack and I'm really excited that I'm with the group of people that I'm with, with the Pat McBurney and at Monmouth Park and just my friend Kathy Clark lives there in New Jersey and she's been my best friend for a long time and we visit her a lot and stay at her house, you know? So it feels like almost like going home, kind of like a. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, wait a minute, what was the other part you just said? That was funny. You said something, and I kind of, I dream, I distanced off. Your bucket list. Oh, the bucket list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just continue. You know, I got to get Lorelai behind the wheel. Like she's 15. She's gonna be driving soon. You know, it's like there's my bucket list is. Just to continue the med my meditation and being present and enjoying, like, oh my gosh, I'm just, just, there's so much joy and so much, life can be so beautiful. I'm just, like, really enjoying myself. It's funny that you make somebody stop and, and ask a question like that. You make somebody stop and think about it. I don't really, I'm, I'm sustained the way I am. I don't really have a, a scream and desire to be, be somewhere or do something that I'm not already doing. I love that. Yeah. Finally, before I let you go, because I know you're going to be going on your walk here in a minute, um, I'm <laughs> cutting into your walk time. Oh, that's totally fine. Totally what fine. would be your message to young women who, who are, and girls that are listening to this, who, you know, are so single-minded in their ambition, whatever sport that may be? Ooh. Oh, wow. Um, Jeez, you, you, somebody asked me this before, and I don't know, I don't know why, but I get a little frustrated at this. And somebody asked, there was a lady who called, she had this beautiful book idea that she, she did the book too, and it's a magnificent book, but she asked me, she was like, oh, I'm doing this book, and it's going to be the things we tell our daughters. Like, what do you want your daughter? 
to know or whatever. And I don't know why it's the it triggers something in me that makes me kind of like shut down almost. And I'm, and I was listening to Russell, Russell Brand was talking the other day and he was talking about someone asked him something and he's like, it makes me mad when people ask me that. And I'm like, oh my God, me too. So, but I, then he just, he was describing why, like, you know, and I think it has to do with my failures. Like, I think if you're telling the, like, I made a lot of mistakes and I did a lot of really dumb things, like, you know, like drinking and smoking and treating my body bad and like, you know, and still becoming successful. And so, you know, you can sit there after you're successful and say, oh, well, make lists every day and dedicate yourself to your physical prowess and, and, and hone your skills. You know, you can say all those things. But if you run into somebody that already has those desires that you can't, you could never talk, people who want to be jockeys, you could not talk them out of it. Like this girl, this Farron Peterson girl, she just, she graduated vet school and people that see her, they're like, oh, um, don't you want to just go be a veterinarian? Why do you want to be a jockey? You could never talk her out of being a jockey. This girl is so strong and so dedicated. Um, and like normally people would get through vet school and couldn't wait to start their business. This girl put vet school in her wake so fast. Like she's so, her desire is so huge. Like there's nothing, using her as an example, there's nothing I can tell her that would make her more, like crave her desire more, right? But what I, what I can tell them is that they are going to come across some things where they're going to have to be the most dedicated and the most strong they've ever been in their life. And the winning and the achieving is easy when the adversity starts, you know, or you overcome injuries and stuff like that. I think that's where I would be more useful. But for just advice, like for people who are driven – you don't really have to tell them much, you know, you just, you got to be there for them when that's not, not going well, and you can help them with those times. But I think when Russell Graham was talking about it, it made me think about it in a different way. It's like, oh, the reason I don't want to give them his advice is because they don't need inspiration because they're already, uh, they're already getting their claws into something and wanting it, right? But when adversity starts, like, um, I think it's funny because Farron, as an example, sometimes Farron does something and it would make me mad and I could be like, I could conquer her and be like, well, here, like I could conquer her verbally or, or spar with her and, 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 and win an argument or something. But I thought to myself, I don't want my jockey like that. I want my jockey to be a little tough, little, you know what, you know, like I like her like that, a little sassy and a little like, so I, I guess I would just be like, stay sassy like find out where that extra energy comes from you know and and tap into that 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 person that would go fight all night at a best football game I don't know like but most of the time when they have desire you're not going to tell them much but I will tell you horsemanship 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 if you address your horsemanship um you will be successful with horses, but you know what I mean? So that's the main thing. Educate yourself and get as smart as you can with horses with all different horsemanship. Don't be a horsemanship snob and um, try to, you know, enjoy the good times and 
I guess the main part is, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 you're not, and you're not your job. Like I'm not Julie Crone, the jockey only, you know? And it took a long time to recreate a new person and feel comfortable with it. So I guess the advice is, um, I don't really have an advice for that stuff, I guess. I don't know. I'm still figuring that out. I better come up with a better answer than that. Well, you know what? Considering you didn't like the question, you gave me a fantastic answer, Julie. So thank you. But you know, it's not the question. You know what I mean? It's more like, why does it... What it it provoked, yes. Yeah, what it provokes, exactly. But like I said, Russell Brand made me laugh because I was like, me too. (laughs) (laughs) But then, like I said, it has nothing to do with the... The, it has to do with the, the blueprint isn't always what it appears to be, right? Mm, absolutely. That's so true. Like, I wish I could go back and, like, not be, uh, like, what would happen if I didn't ever get busted for smoking marijuana or, like, you know, like, little things like that? It's funny. I guess I, would not, I wasn't going to be a Disney princess, but, hey, what are you going to do? Yeah, you did well without being the Disney princess, Julie. <laughs> Exactly. And I can be one now. You did just fine. Absolutely. You still can do that. But I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. It's been really fun. Wait, let me go back to that thing. The love of horses and horsemanship is the end. You know what I mean? Like if you want to be successful in racing, you have to know your stuff, man. You just have to be good at it. Yeah, exactly. Educate yourself. Well, wonderful, Julie. Thank you so much. I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, day. Getting back to your walk now and your routine. And, and thank you again for taking time to chat with me. My pleasure. And you can find the full list of Julie's accomplishments and milestones that are in the show notes accompanying this episode on the show page at wisports.com. Just go to the Listen tab and drop down to The Horse Show. And you'll also find there a link to Julie's social media. Do follow us on social media at Wisp Sports, where you can post your comments and questions and suggestions for guests, not just on the horse show, but also on the other shows that we have here at Wisp Sports. Our thanks again to our sponsors, Highlands Earache Drops. You can find more about this and their other products by going to highlands.com forward slash ear. And if you have a moment when you're on Apple Podcasts, do leave us a review or a rating. This helps us a great deal to stick out amongst the crowd now. There are so many choices here for podcasts. So we appreciate your support and helping us turn up the volume on women's sports. Goodbye for now.